Welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag. And thanks, as always, to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge Service, and Intrepid Security. Now, my guest this week is Karen Warwick. Karen is the Global Mobility and Convenience Security Manager at BP. Now, prior to this, she worked in the charity sector and was the Program Manager for the National Autistic Society. She served as an officer in the Royal Air Force and deployed in operations around the globe. She has an MA in social policy and law and an MSc in European law. It's getting more and more impressive by the moment. Now a qualified mountain leader, outdoor instructor, and in recent years has led youth expeditions to Mongolia, China, Indian Himalayas, Moroccan Atlas Mountains, and is also a Duke of Edinburgh instructor and assessor. I only got as far as my bronze, so perhaps I should keep that one quiet. Um, also sits as a presiding judge, adult and family specialist, and is currently serving as chair of the Northwest Cumbria Judicial Bench here in the UK. Now, as an autistic person, she's passionate about helping raise awareness and working towards reducing the inequalities and challenges faced by neurodiverse individuals. Karen, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> so I, I said just before we came on air, it's... um. Uh, you know, I always like to Google my guests first, have a look on LinkedIn, and then you sort of think, let's have a, a little introduction and a bug. But my goodness me, uh, you have done and continue to do an awful lot. Super, super impressed. So congratulations. How on earth you fit all of that in? Goodness only knows. Well, as you say, Paul, I, I refer to myself as jack of all trades, master of none. And it's probably more to do my attention span that I go off in all directions. <laughs> So look, um, going way back when, and before we get into it, let's just, young Karen sat at school, peering out of the window, no doubt brain got a million miles an hour, lots of great ideas. What, what did you actually want to do when you quote unquote grew up? Well, to be honest, where I find myself now is an accident because when I was a child and I wasn't the most well-behaved child at school, to be honest, I spent a lot of time in the corner. <laughs> So when I did have time to pond, I wanted to be a vet, and um, but then I wasn't very good at science, so that kind of went by the wayside. So for want of better imagination, I ended up doing what I thought was a sensible degree in law. Um, but then I got to the point where, you know, it was what it was, But and I think my parents had high hopes, but then I decided to join the military um, and have absolutely no regrets, had a fantastic time. Um, got to travel, meet some fantastic people, get involved in operations. Um, but like many of us, um, family comes along. I had my daughter. And again, probably due to lack of imagination, as, as many ex-military people do, I found myself in project management um, and had a real passion, sense of social value. So I ended up in the charity sector, really fortunate, worked my way up to program director. Um, and had a great time on the way, met loads of people. And, you know, people often say to me, how did you go from charity sector to retail? But, you know, having spent so much time in the frontline care sector, I often draw parallels because I realise many challenges faced by our care staff dealing with what sometimes is quite an unpredictable and can be volatile public are not dissimilar to the issues that our staff in the retail poor courts deal with. Um, so for me, there's a kind of comfort in going from one to the other. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you're right. I mean, you know, the challenges that, that staff are facing are ever increasing as well, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, I'm sure you're uh, uh, disciplined from the military through to uh, compassion, hopefully from the charity sector, uh, welds well together. Now, look, 
Um, BP, very, very uh, you know, globally known business. But but just tell me a little bit about your role within the organisation and 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 what you look after. Yeah, so I um, and mine's a fairly new new role, and and that's in reflection of the growth um, exponential within this sector, mobility and convenience for BP. So I'm in that really fortunate position where I, I've come in and, and had a certain amount of say in how I shape. I'm not following a predecessor, and, and that's been really exciting, but equally as challenging um, because there is never a dull moment in in this world, as you well know. And you know, I look at my day-to-day programmer, and actually, I wish I was out in the forecourts all the time. But like many of us, we spend a lot of time collaborating on teams, which is worthwhile. But I think for me, if you really want to learn and learn the sector and learn it quickly, it's to get out there. And I'm fortunate I get to travel. I haven't been to them all yet. There's a lot of them, but I get to travel to our global markets and spend quality time with the frontline staff. And to me, it's always a really humbling experience to see the lens that they go to and the care that they show to provide customers with great experience. And I must admit, the best ideas always come from those working on the front line. Um, you know, we were out in Mexico um, a few months back, had some real challenging issues around cash management, lots of protracted discussions at our level. And actually, it's the four court staff that solved the issue for us um, just by some that's a really uh, great thinking on their part. And, you know, I, I think last week I had the pleasure of going out to one of the four courts in the UK and I met Agnes and she's worked in mobility and convenience for 38 years. So you can imagine I had my listening ears on at that point. Um, and we, un- this is what was equally unbelievable. We worked out that our families lived four miles apart and her mum drove a delivery van that used to service my grandfather's grocery store. No way. <laughs> so that's quite scary. So, I mean, you you talk about the international travel and, and just to, to if my head can get around it, you know, how many markets are we talking about? Have you even figured out how many forecourts are in your remit? Because you've got must have one of the biggest portfolios of anybody I've ever spoken to. So come up. How many noughts are we talking about on this number? Yeah, I think I can pay me down to the exact number. There are thousands and. I say that because there's different elements as well. So we have what we refer to as our COCOs, our company operated um, ones, where we have full responsibility for. And there are thousands of them ranging from the USA, Mexico, Europe, across to Asia. And then we have our dealer owned, dealer operated sites, we refer to as dodos. And then we have various variations of that that model in between. So it just adds to the, the challenge and the excitement um, but yeah, it is a massive, massive portfolio. <laughs> so, so let's just let, take today for example. So, you sit down at the laptop, you open it up, cup of tea, cup of coffee in hand, wherever it might be. What, what on earth does your date? I mean, what's taking up the bulk of your time at the moment with the longest piece of string of anybody I've probably spoken to? You know, how do you focus in, and what is taking up your time at the moment? Yeah, I think in terms of day-to-day, as I say to you, I'd love to say I was out and about all the time. Um, a lot of the time, you know, like all of us, we spend in the office, um, that continual sort of collaboration, understanding what's happening in other markets. Are there synergies? Are there projects, programs, technologies that we can bring in to, 
to help really, and, and at the end of it, we can overcomplicate it, but what I'm here to do is make sure that our forecourt staff go home safe and secure each night back to their families. Um, which sounds simple, but when you're dealing with all those different markets, different challenges within the markets, um, the, there's a lot of nuances. But equally, I think there's just as much that unites those markets and you know, they all face similar challenges, but maybe just in very different settings. Um, and I think you touched on it, Paul, but you're absolutely right. There, There is a, a tendency, you could quite easily say, spread yourself too thin in this job. Um, and that's one of the disciplines I'm really trying to hone as, as I get into this is where are you going to concentrate? Where are you going to spend the energy? Where's most bang for the buck, if you like, um, as people would say. Uh, and to me, that's some of those big projects um, around training, technology, um, ensuring that if we roll out, we roll out, you know, we're very agile, we roll out at scale. Um, and we, we get what, you know, all this that we're trying to do is actually felt at the front line and has an impact. Uh, and that's the trick, I think. And and you you touched on there some of the projects that you that you're doing. Is it and you perhaps answer them, but is it is it trying to roll out a standard people process to keep employees safe? Is there a, a couple of pieces of technology that you've said actually, do you know what we need to deploy those either globally or or in key markets? I'm just intrigued where you are in terms of proof of concept. This is what we're doing, what, what what's going on? Yeah, and it's in ways unfortunate because I've I've really been given almost well, I say a blank canvas to say what do you, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it, um, and I constantly ask myself how are we utilising the best people, the technology and the intelligence to improve that safety and security and well being of our staff, and without a doubt our priority at BP is colleague safety and security, and that's more important than any stop. Um, so we prioritize that and we, if we're going to do initiatives, projects, rollout, then first and foremost, it has to be about the security and safety of the staff. And I think the challenge is never losing sight of that. Um, I, I know we touched, but technology moves at a blistering pace at the point, you know, sometimes you'll see something, but in a couple of months, that's outdated piece of technology and you haven't even trialed it yet. So it's continually trying to keep ahead of the curve look to the future um, and how we roll out some of these projects at scale because the technology is absolutely fascinating um, but to me it's always an aid and I think never lose sight of that good safety and security for me begins and ends with the people our staff on the forecourt um, yeah and I look back through the pandemic and I think it wasn't technology that kept those shelves stocked and those stores open. It was the ingenuity of our forecourt staff to, to make the best of a really difficult situation, to keep the stores open and, and to keep the focus on customers. In really quite challenging times, um, it was far from easy. And I think when we are looking at rolling things out, we absolutely put people first. Um, and, and training for me is, is a really important part of that is how we better serve those that are on the forecourts, um, interacting with the customers. Are we giving them the training that they need, that they deserve, and is going to benefit them and make them feel safer and secure?
For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. And I guess if COVID taught us one thing, it's also to give people guidelines to operate within, but also a little bit of flexibility as well to, to make decisions because, you know, you had to bust some uh, some interesting moves to keep stock on shelves and, uh, you know, fulfillment and keep the whole thing open. So I guess that blends with your looking after the people and technology as an enabler because nobody likes to hear, I can't do that because the computer tells me I can't. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the in, in sorry, the how ingenious people are, um, because they've spent so many years working in this industry, they know it inside out. So often, if you're looking for the answer for particularly protracted issues, it's worth getting a cup of tea and going sitting with some staff in the forecourt. They'll soon solve the issue for yeah. you. Yeah, sooner that than rolling your eyes at somebody that's got long tenure. Now, look, I get the impression that um, you often are able to get what you want. You take the ideas in, you mould it and deliver it. Now, one of the questions that has been coming out year after year, particularly at retail risk conferences, is people talk about how to influence the board, the senior management. What, what, what's your top tip? Because you've done it, you know, you've been in the military, the charity sector, you know, a, a, a very successful commercial enterprise. You know, how do you go about influencing who you need to influence to get what you want? What, what's, your, what's your top tips or maybe your top tip to avoid? Well, I think in, in especially we find ourselves in really challenging times um, in retail. And I think we're fortunate in these management positions. We, we are, have leadership with a certain amount of control and that's important. But to me, the further I go, the more important it is to remember how to operate as a team member. And I think that is really important at BP. We are one team. And I think you need to understand others, their feelings, and that means you've got to immerse yourself in the business. And I think for me, if you're going to be successful, you've got to be out there. You've got to understand what's going on in the four courts. You've got to understand where the heart is, where the rewards are. And that ability as a manager, never lose sight of the fact you just need to put yourself in someone's shoes. Um, and then use that knowledge and wield it for, you know, to create benefit for those. And for me, I just think never stop questioning your own values, your own bias, your own thinking. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I laugh, Bob, but as an autistic ex-military officer, I'm the first to admit emotional intelligence doesn't always come easy, but I think it's probably one of the key skills in this room. <laughs> um, and that is ability, you know, to read people, to actively listen, to resist that jumping in with a solution. Because, and I see that so often, before we've actually worked out what the problem is, you know, hands are up saying this is what we need to do. And then that ability to try and build effective relationship, because what I've learned at BP and over the course of my career today is how important stakeholder engagement is. Understand the business, understand who you need to speak to and how you're going to influence. And I think for me, there's no better teacher of emotional intelligence than our four court staff. They'll, they'll soon sort you out one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me, you know, Many, many years ago, I, I started off uh, uh, the co-op and then uh, uh, Sainsbury's uh, when they owned Homebase. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to 
there was there was the good and bad. There was the people that were kind of, why do you do it like that? Well, we always have. But then conversely, you'd find the right and there'd be that absolute gem, wouldn't they? They'd just sit yeah. down and they go, I never really understood why we didn't do it this way. And you're like, that's the answer. That's it. Yeah. But they, they can often get dismissed. And, and maybe if they're a little bit, if they fit outside of the mold, it's, it's easy to sort of pass them over, which brings me on to the, you know, autistic former military officer. I know uh, you are a big champion uh, and, and uh, it's so, so important of the whole diversity and inclusion narrative, if you like. But is it something you feel BP's got a handle on and is supportive of? Do you feel supportive within the organisation? Yeah, and completely honest with you, Paul, I, I'd have immersed myself in the world of autism in my last job. Um, you know, I have a diagnosis of it myself. And having been through COVID, I was tired by the end of it, tired of, you know, discussing neurodiversity, dealing with some of the challenges we dealt with. So when I joined BP, I had no intention of mentioning anything about autism or neurodiversity. You know, I just wanted to go quietly under the radar. Um, but what I was immediately and genuinely struck by when I joined BP is there is a wealth of knowledge, experience out there. And it, me and I truly say this, it's not about a tick box exercise at BP they actually do genuinely want to make a difference uh, and and be doers in this area not just people that talk about it um and for, that's been hugely refreshing you know some of the opportunities um I've had already we're doing a really fantastic early days yet but a workplace inclusion program in the US at the moment because you know we understand that while you've got high staff turnover um, and all these issues, it's really hard to embed, as you know, good safety and security. But with a neurodiverse workforce, often comes stability, um, it becomes reliable. And other employers have shown this. And the fact that we are able to capitalize that and invite, often people don't maybe get opportunities to participate or supported. I think that's so important. And, you know, it really stays with me the fact that um 22 percent of people with uh neurodiversity or autism are in employment and that seems to me a shocking figure because what's the other percent doing and the fact that you know everything tells us 70 percent of that um unemployed group can work want to work but just the circumstances haven't been right and i think there's some fabulous opportunities in bp from management level down to you know entry-level jobs where there's a real willingness at the moment to try and harness that. Um, and it's not about philanthropy. It's not about we can all sleep a little bit easier. It just makes good business sense. The more diverse your workforce is, the more productive it is. And I think that's the really, you know, exciting thing about this is for a while, I think it was as if people sort of felt obliged to do it and did it reluctantly. And then, and I've used this example before, but Goldman Sachs now, uh, when they're looking for investment uh, uh, to back um, technology companies, you know, it's not the greatest, but they, they won't back an all male board because mm. they make more money uh, if there is uh, women and a diverse board behind the business. And, and actually, to your point, it's good business sense, isn't it? Yeah. And when that trumps doing the right thing, then doing the right thing becomes the obvious thing to do because commercially, you represent your customers, uh, commercially the businesses 
uh, is stronger. So, yeah, we need organizations like BP to be, I, I like to refer to them as lighthouse organizations. They're sort of shining the way. And then some of the lemmings can can follow behind. But uh, but but yeah, long, long, long may you continue to 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 champion the, the, the bit there. So, look, um, looking ahead, you know, this vast, vast remit that you've got, what does the next 12, 18 months look like for you from a as you continue to define your role, you know, travel the organization, but also from that people bit and the diversity inclusion give, give me a rundown of your of your big goals and what we can expect yeah well for me I think as I've said and said it, it's about people so it's about reinvigorating our training offer the support we give to the staff out and about to make sure that they're in the best position to do their their job as well serving you know great customer service there's some fantastic technology projects we're involved in and scoping out, um, which I think can be hopefully massive game changers. But it's all about making it easier for our staff on the front line. How are these projects, how is this technology um, going to allow them to do their job more efficiently um, with less lift on their part? And I think what I'm struck with at BP is the growth in this market, mobility and convenience, is exponential. We can see that in the America market is huge. And the challenge for us in security is how are we going to respond to that risk and how are we going to respond and be agile and quick um, at the pace that the business needs us to be. And then, you know, but I look at our renewables, our forecourts are probably going to change beyond recognition. And, you know, one of the working groups I'm involved in is forecourts of the future. And I think I'm not even sure we'll recognise a forecourt in a year's time. It, the pace is just blistering. Um, so I think there's huge marketing opportunities, but it also requires us to think about security in new ways and to be innovative and creative. And, you know, I touched on some of the, the projects we're exploring around workplace inclusion, getting a different type of, of workforce in or encouraging others that might not have normally looked at this sector or felt that they could get them in because that has a ripple effect that improves the safety of everyone and customers included and the security of the team so I think there's so much opportunity I think the challenge for me is ensuring that you know that laser light focus where are we going to put our energies into yeah I think it's um it's a vast vast remit and I uh you know I wish you every success over the coming 12, 18 months. I'm going to make sure we check back in on you. And who knows, we'll uh, perhaps try and entice you onto a, a stage somewhere around the world or maybe even back onto uh, a future edition. But um, super, super impressive with, with what you've done so far. I, I look forward to you continuing to define your role, uh, championing the diversity inclusion piece as well. But for now, Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. No, thanks, Paul, and thank you for the opportunity. Your organisation is doing so much spearheading, you know, and, and ensuring that as retailers, we're all connected and working together. It's an absolute privilege. No, no absolute pleasure. All right. Thanks. Take care, Karen. Thank you.